We have talked about wisdom, godly wisdom, what it is to exercise godly wisdom. What does that look like uh, in our uh, relationships? What does that look like uh, in our speech, in our behavior, in our conduct? And, and uh, we have been looking into this. And this past Wednesday, uh, I had, uh, we had uh, started uh, on the subject of exercising Godly wisdom in conflict. And, uh, and so we have just uh, delved into the, to the Word of God. And we did not get through. I got to one point, <laughs> and uh, I had told the church, I said, this will be a to-be-continued message. And, uh, and I just, uh, the more that I prayed about this uh, throughout today and thought on this, I said, all right. It's like the Lord just said, let's, let's, uh, let's finish uh, these other uh, points on this. And I'm going to reiterate a couple of things in regards to this, uh, but uh, how many of you know that uh, the Word of God, and we've said this and brought this out in this sermon series, that uh, it is imperative, important, it's a necessity for the child of God to walk in wisdom. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen. That we conduct ourselves and live and exercise godly wisdom. Amen. Let me just say is that this is something that this does not come automatically. This is like if I can use the analogy. If you're going to go into the, uh, to the gym and you're going to exercise your body and condition your body and condition your heart and, and all of those types of things. I, I believe there's much in our walk with God that it has to be exercised and it has to be trained and it, and it has to be utilized and it has to be at the forefront of what we're doing, thinking about it, practicing it. And uh, that's what we've really been looking at in the Word of God in regards to these things uh, in uh, the realm of godly wisdom. And so that's why we have been talking about exercising, using that term, exercising godly wisdom. I spoke with the gentleman just a couple of days ago and he was sharing with me some situations uh, that he was in, uh, involved with uh, on his job and with co-workers and employers and even a particular customer that he was dealing with. And he said, Brother Jacob, he said, these things, he said, even talking about conflict and talking about exercising wisdom, he said, I'm telling you, he said, he said, God is conditioning me and helping me and challenging me that I'm utilizing this. And, and, uh, and I told him, I said, brother, I said, the first thing that I commend you on, I said, is that you recognize where, you're, where you're, God is looking for you to apply. Amen. And uh, apply these things. And so uh, as we look at this, it's one thing that we hear about it. And tonight you might uh, agree all night long with what I've got to say. Maybe you might disagree. Uh, but regardless, it has to go beyond just what we hear. And it has to be what we're doing and who we are. Amen. As children of God. And so tonight, if you will, I would like for you to turn with me and let's look once again. We looked at this verse Wednesday night and I'd like to look here, use this as a starting point once again in Ephesians chapter number 4 and we're going to look at verse number 1 and start there in our reading. While you're turning there, if you'd stand with us for the reading of God's Word and while you're turning there for the sake of those that maybe that have not heard, our central text has been throughout the sermon series out of Ephesians 5 as to where uh, Paul is telling the church, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not reading it verbatim right here, but he says this, he said that we calls the church, he challenges the church to walk circumspectly, to be paying attention, to be noticing what is going on around us, and that in our pursuits and, and, and in doing so, he said that we don't do so foolishly, but we do so being 
wise. And he said, in doing so, that we might know and understand what the will of God is. The will of God, oftentimes, for many people, it seems like something far out there. It's out of reach. It's this mystical thing. Oh, the will of God, pastor, that's for preachers and missionaries. And and it's for evangelists and folks that's going to go out and go away and do something off somewhere else. No, the will of God is not just a place you go. The will of God is just not in some capacity in which you serve. I think one of the great things we have to understand is the will of God first is who we are to be. Who we are to be. If we can get the being right, we can get the doing right. Amen. And so we're going to look at some of these things tonight. And uh, here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse number 1, if you're there with me, why don't you say amen? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk worthy of that work. Walk worthy of that place. Walk worthy of that calling with which you are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Once you understand, Paul understands and he's trying to remind the church, God's people here, of the importance of the relationship. We're in this thing together. We're walking this out together. These are the attributes we must have. Endeavoring, somebody shout endeavoring. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. And he says, in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Somebody say this with me. Say it takes some work. Amen. That's what we said Wednesday night. You got to work at it. It takes some work. Praise the Lord. If I've said it once, you'll hear me say it again many times. This does not come automatically. We have to endeavor. We have to set ourselves to do so. And so tonight, can we pray together one more time and just ask the Lord to help us and speak to us through His Word. Father, I thank You once again for every opportunity we have to break the bread of life together. And Lord, I pray You would challenge us tonight. Lord, this evening I pray that You would deal with the hearts and the lives of Your people. And Lord, draw us nigh unto You. Father, as we draw nigh unto You, we have that promise You draw nigh to us. Lord, I pray help us that we as your children in this day and this hour Lord not only without the walls of the church and in the world but Lord even within the walls of the church Lord that we walk in wisdom Lord that we utilize the word of God and the spirit of God to guide us into truth I pray that you would help us tonight open our hearts and ears let us hear let us receive and apply your word anoint my heart my mind and lips to preach. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated this evening. Praise the Lord. When I, uh, last, uh, or this past Wednesday, one of the things that I made mention was the fact that in every part of life, within your family, within uh, the intimate relationships that you develop between husband and wife, between parents and children, within the confines of your home, Uh, those immediately you're associated with, the extended family, within the church family, on your job, your place of employment, amongst co-workers, whatever the case might be. No matter in all of our efforts and maybe trying to avoid it, sidestep it, get around it, whatever, the truth of the matter is, is that conflict is a part of life. Conflict is going to be there. It will stand in front of you. It will be cloaked in the disguise of somebody you love very much. It'll be there and, 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 and it has the voice and the face and, and the personality of people that you're interacting with all the time. Conflict is there. I had shared with you this quote and it said this. It said, conflict is inevitable. Combat is optional. Amen. Conflict is inevitable. 
inevitable, but combat is uh, optional. Amen. One of the things I believe that as a child of God that we must understand, we've got to grab a hold of it, realize the importance of it, uh, is that we have seen more relationships broken, more churches that have went under. We have seen more ministries crippled. We have seen wedges and divisions and chasms created within families because, not because there was conflict, but because of the way that conflict was handled. Amen. Some go into conflict like it is the war zone. You're loaded to the hilt. You've got ammo. You've got your opinion. You've got what you think is right. You've got all the words, all the things you're going to say. I mean, think about how we phrase some of these things sometimes. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, right? I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm just going to let them have it. I'm going to tell them the what for. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and, and you notice is that we, we sometimes step into conflict in a combative way. And it doesn't have to be that way. It has marred, hear me church, the church and the way that God's people have handled conflict. When we do not handle it with godly wisdom, it has marred the testimony of the church. It has ruined our personal testimony in regards to those that we have relationships with. I want you to understand that conflict and the way you handle it or don't handle it, right, wrong, somewhere in between, is that it goes before you and speaks of you. Have you ever came across before you ever met somebody? And have you heard something about that person and you would say well you know they're pretty good here and pretty good there but man they're easily offended oh my goodness you can't have a conversation with them if their feelings are hurt or you can't do this you can't say that to them you gotta walk on eggshells around them and my goodness it's heartbreaking I believe especially in the church as to where there are things that have been said and and, and things that have been believed and some would say well brother Jacob, we got to be careful because sometimes it's just people conjuring something up. I understand that. But can I say this is that too many times, or too more than often, it's true than what it's not. And the fact that we are not handling that in the way that it should. I want you to understand because conflict is going to be a part of our lives. Conflict, it is going to happen in the church. Amen. There's somebody who, I, I don't know, somewhere along the way uh, in the course of ministry and relationships in the church, uh, you hear about people talk about the honeymoon phase and say, well, there's a time when the pastor or leadership or whatever, boy, they, no, they can't do anything wrong. Everybody loves them and everybody's happy and all these things. Things are well, and and uh, and what brings an end? What brings an end to the honeymoon phase? It's conflict. What happens for a newlywed couple when when starry eyes and heads up in the cloud and and thinking that life is a Hallmark movie? Come on, somebody. It's just always going to be what brings them down to earth, brother Roderick. It's the first time that there's a disagreement. Oh, isn't it funny how we are at sometimes? Oh, I, I mean, I, I, we just we just alike. We like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, we just uh, we finish each other's sentences. And, oh. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It's just, woo, I mean, everything's wonderful. We're so compatible. We're more compatible than compatible can be. I mean, I just can't believe how compatible we are. And then the first time you realize they don't like their eggs cooked the way you, your mama always cooked them. What? You got, you saying something about my mama's cooking? 
You saying this? You saying, I heard a conversation about uh, there was a, a, a newlywed couple, some kids that we knew for a long time. We watched them, Sister Shannon, grow up in youth camps, and we preached revivals at their home church, and they came together and got married, and oh man, everybody's so happy and excited for them. And uh, the, the, uh, the wife, she later on, that in, in years, she was talking about marriage and talking about conflicts and things of that nature, and she said, I remember our first big conflict was over how dishes should be washed. Now, some of you don't look at, don't look around like, well, I can't believe somebody fight over that. You know, some of you have been fighting over more petty stuff than that for a long time. But what happens is, is all of a sudden, somebody's world is rocked because, oh my goodness, I mean, we're, we're as different as daylight and dark. How are we going to make it? How are we going to, how are we going to, you know, they, they, they do it this way and I do it that way. How are we ever going to get past it? Because conflict, let me say this, it is a great leveler. It is a great leveler. And so when there comes a point of conflict, there, there are some things that have to be done. And as we look at the Word of God, I believe that God gives us insight into how conflict is handled. Let me say this again. The enemy is looking for any way to divide God's people. The enemy is looking for any way to slow down, hurt, and hinder the work of God. Listen, if he can't stop it completely, Sister Sanji, he'll say, just let me hinder it. Just let, me, just let me take a big old good dose of conflict and something that people can't work through, and it'll act like it's a thousand pound weight they're all dragging around, right? It'll, I mean, it'll be just be, uh, and, and, or fulfilling our purpose and, and, and fulfilling God's work and call. How do, we, how do we understand and know and fulfill the will of God? We've got to utilize wisdom in these things that come in and that will challenge Everything that we've known. Everything we've known. So Wednesday night, we talked about this. We talked about the fact that first, when there is conflict, you have to be willing to take initiative. You have to be willing to take initiative. When there is not initiative taken, it is too easy when there is silence, when it's icy cold, when there are things that are left unsaid or unaddressed. It is too easy. Let me just say right now. Okay, and, you, and please don't look at me and think, well, Brother Jake thinks he's just some kind of relationship expert. No, I don't claim it. I don't got a degree. I don't, I'm just taught saying what the Word of God, uh, I'm just pointing out. Let me just say this. Sometimes we just need to point out the obvious, right? And so here's what happens. When there's conflict and there's no initiative, there is nobody is taking the initiative to make things right, to have discussion, what happens is, is immediately space is created between two people. And any time there is distance created, what happens? Then there the enemy is allowed to get between people, to get between you and the will of God, to get between you and the things that need to be done and need to be addressed. We have to learn that we cannot, we cannot afford for time to go by. Now, Brother Jacob, what happens if I'm really, really mad? What happens if I'm really, really frustrated because you were preaching about the way we speak and, and being careful and, and all of these things? And yes, absolutely. There is a difference in taking a moment or two to compose yourself and calm yourself down. And nobody wants to say or do something that they regret. But what I'm getting at is the fact that there are times that in the name of cooling off that many people have now spent days and weeks and months. And then you know what happens. There becomes avoidance. Then what happens? There can be that sense of bitterness. There becomes those wedges. Things get cold. It gets difficult uh, in, in several capacities to forge ahead with that relationship. Assumptions are made. And assumptions are deadly. We've said some of these things Wednesday night. And so forgive me for if you're hearing a little bit of it. But I'm, I'm just 
piggybacking here on some of this before we talk about some of these other things. The Apostle Paul said in this, he said, listen, he said, these are the attitudes that we must have. He said, we must find ourselves in the place as to where we are uh, taking uh, initiative to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. Here's the thing. Where there is division and disagreement, you cannot have a move of God. Let me say it again. Maybe I'll get a few more amens. Where there is division and where there is a lack of unity, you cannot have a move of God. Amen. Amen. And so this is, these are things. Now listen, here's what we talked about in taking initiative. What does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say about this? If we followed the Word of God and how we conducted our altar calls, things would look much differently. It would. This is what the Word of God said. And let me just read this and then we're going to move on to these next points. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer your gift. Then come and offer your gift. So what happens is, is the Bible teaches us that there is a hindrance in your prayer life. There is a hindrance in God accepting what it is you're bringing before Him. When there is schisms, when there is aught, when there are things that are not resolved, when there are things that are left unsaid, when conflict is not dealt with. It's a hindrance. It puts a wall up. And, the, and things that need to be accomplished cannot be accomplished. How would altar services look if we followed this principle and teaching of the Word of God? If when the altar call was, being, was going forward... And before we invited folks down to pray, as somebody stopped by somebody's pew and, and uh, somebody slid over here to Brother Jerry. And I know Brother Jerry ain't ever caused conflict a day in his life. Is that right, sister? She said that's right. But somebody goes over and says, Brother Jerry, you know what? I've, I've, I've got to tell you, I'm, I've got to apologize. I've got to, I've got to make something right here. Before I know that God is going to honor what I'm getting ready to lay before Him, I've got to make this right. I've got to, I've got to do this because what the Bible is very clear, Brother Coleman, to not give place to the devil. Not give place to the devil. We have to endeavor it to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace peacemakers. The Word of God said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Now let me say this, and this is something that I did not get to get to on Wednesday night. Some would say, Brother Jacob, if I take initiative, if even I don't think that I'm wrong and I go to try to make something right. I try to offer, extend an apology, try to seek forgiveness, whatever the case might be. What happens if I'm rejected? What happens if, if nobody wants to hear what I'm trying to say? What if somebody pushes me away? At the end of the day, my friend, you can only do what you can do. But what happens is, is you have done your part. The problem and what I'm challenging you with tonight is that a lot of times we sit back waiting. We're waiting and we're thinking somebody else needs to approach us all the time because we're the one that was right. We're the one that was offended. We're the one that was hurt. No, take the initiative to make it right. And then from there, let the chips fall where they may. That other person, that other party is going to have to come to grips with whether or not they accept said apology. Whether they accept what's going on. 
here in this situation. I want you to under, understand. So we talked about taking initiative. Second thing tonight, if you're taking notes or if you're, if you're making a mental note of this, let me say this. Identify. Identify that there are goals that are bigger than your personal difference. Hear me. That there are goals that are bigger than your personal differences. As I was talking about the newlywed couple who was arguing, had their first big fight over how the dishes were washed, what the truth was, Sister Gloria, is both he and her were trying to get the dishes washed. Right? It was a difference in opinion of how it should be. Can I say that oftentimes in the church, we lose sight of the vision of the fact that we all genuinely, if you look at it, at the truth of it all, the common denominator is we often have the same goal. We're trying to make heaven. We're trying to reach the lost. We're trying to see souls saved. and Folks come to know Him and and see our children grow in God. And see God do a work. I think that tonight if I were to ask to take a vote. And say do you want to move of God? Do you want to have revival burning in this house and in your personal home? Well of course. Everybody raise their hand and say yes. Absolutely. And so therefore this is not me and Andy that are in conflict. And we can't see eye to eye because our goal are different. The truth of the matter is, he and I are trying to get to the same place. We're serving the same God. We're trying to get to the same heaven. We're trying to see God's will and purpose done. But in the middle of conflict, we often forget that our goals are actually the same. As I said, conflict, if it's not dealt with properly, if we don't use exercise, if we don't exercise godly wisdom in conflict, we miss the big picture. And conflict, the conflict, or let me say it like this, the person that we are in conflict with becomes all that we can see. And we're missing the mark that we are actually striving for a common goal. Striving for a common goal. Once you understand tonight, friends is that the enemy specializes and he delights in distraction. He does. If he can just get us to detour, if we can just be looking in one direction or another, if we, if we lose the fact, that if we lose sight of keeping the main thing the main thing, Brother Keith, and, 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 we, and we've, got our, we've got our thoughts on all the wrong, and we've got our thoughts on who's on my team and who's on their team, and, and all of these things that go on. You said, Brother Jacob, I don't understand why you're saying this. kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't know of any conflict that's going on. Well, let me say this. It may not be today. It may not be tonight. But friends, let me tell you and let me remind you, Brother Marvin, conflict will show up at your house. It'll show up in your church. It'll show up where people who have the best intentions and yet there's disagreement. Before starting a discussion, establish, can I just say this? Here's a goal for you, that the relationship is more important than the disagreement. Let me say that again. Establish the fact that you identify that the relationship with this person is bigger and more important than the disagreement is. If we can keep that in context, we, it, we have lost something in our world today. To where we devalue people. We devalue relationships. We are so quick. We cut people off. We'll chop them off. I mean, we just, I'm done with you. It's over. Whatever the case might be. As a matter of fact, the truth be told, statistics teach us that the overwhelming majority of people in today's generation that even go into the covenant of marriage do so with this thought, if it don't work out, oh well, we'll get a divorce, we'll move on. 
And we wonder why our families are in upheaval. We wonder why there's so much pain and hurt in our children and so much, so much dysfunction everywhere we go because we have reached a point in a place as to where there's a lot of times as to where we devalue relationships and we put high value on our opinion, on winning the argument, on proving that we were right. I want you to understand is that when we establish this, if you focus on what's keeping you apart, it is much harder to reach the goal of working on priorities out together. I want you here to notice I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says that we henceforth be no more children. The Apostle Paul, he's sure trying to be diplomatic in how to say this. But essentially, Brother Eddie, he is saying, grow up. Somebody just shout it with me. You've been wanting to say it all. There's some, some of you, for somebody somewhere, you've been wanting to say it all week long. So just say it with me. Just say, grow up. Amen. Just get it out of your system. You've been wanting to tell somebody, just grow up. Come on, just just grow up. But listen, he says that you'd be no more children. And he said, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. Oh, and here he says it, that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. If the church wants to be strengthened, if your relationships want to be strengthened, coming together, listen, and understanding that when you are of the mindset that it's always about your way or you proving to be right or you're always focused on what the problem is and you can't get past that, the Apostle Paul essentially says you're acting childish, said it's foolish. If that is what is the premise of your relationships and everything, then what happens is you are, he said, children, he said, they're tossed to and fro. Have you ever noticed how children argue and fight? You ever noticed it? You ever watched it? Any mamas here want to just nod and testify, say, yep, we've seen it, or grandmas and grandpas, or when you did have little ones? You know what kids do? In, in, in a five-minute span... They are mortal enemies. And then give it two minutes and they're best friends. And then give it maybe ten more minutes and they're mortal enemies again. And then they love one another once again. Listen, it wreaks havoc on the parents. Right? Because for the first five minutes, you got mamas and what's going on? And well, so and so, Sister Shannon did this and they hurt my feelings and all that. And mama comes along, I can't believe Sister Shannon would do that. And let me, can I just, can I give you a piece of parenting advice here? I've got a 12-year-old girl, and we've had our share of this one's mad at this one and things of that nature. Can I just say, moms and dads, try not to be so offended. Preach, Brother Jake. Okay. Try not to be so offended. Try not to get so twisted up. Because here what, here's what happens. Is when you're childish in the way that children fight. And they go from mortal enemies to best friends. While you're still upset with the other parent. Because somehow you think it's their fault. They have made up. They're jumping rope, skipping to do da. They are, I mean, they're having themselves a time, and then you got two parents sitting around fuming and mad at each other. Am I telling the truth? Somebody say amen to me. All right. 
So don't do that. He said, you're tossed around. He said, you're unstable when you get that way. Can I say is that what happens is when you're immature in those things and when you, when you are valuing the conflict and these things over the relationship, you will be, listen, all you do is start chasing conflict and conflict and conflict. There are some folks, they are not happy unless they are in the middle of drama, unless they're something that's happening or something wrong to talk about or to tear somebody up over. Friends, hear the word of God tonight. Get over that. Get past it. Get it under the blood. Get your heart and mind sanctified over it. Get right with God and right with your brother and sister and let's have a move of God. Let's make our way on to heaven. Hallelujah. I know you don't want to act too excited because you'll think, oh, somebody will think that I think they got conflict. And right now, everybody's gun shy. You're trying not to make eye contact with me. You're, you don't want to say amen too much. I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh. But listen, we take initiative and then we have to understand that you have to be intentional in the fact in seeing that the relationship with somebody, that we have to identify that there are bigger goals than our personal differences. Can I say this and... I know this, this may not be popular with everybody because there are a lot of people you have allowed the news and the media and politics to tell you who you should and should not like. We have dividing lines all over this country. Can I say more than ever before, our name, the United States of America, it is an oxymoron. We are not united. We are not. And here is the problem. It's because that spirit of devaluing people, we have let talking heads and politicians and policy and we have let different things set tones and dividing lines. And we, we will not like people just because of certain things as to where maybe they, they have they have decided or maybe of, the, of a certain persuasion or whatever the case might be, and you have no idea who that person is. Let me say this, is that this, there is an eternal principle as well. How can we reach the world? How can we reach the world if we cannot love a brother or a sister? If you don't have the time of day, if you've never met somebody and you're just offended at them. The other day, there was somebody who, who was on the TV, and I don't necessarily know this person. It was an a, a actor, and um, Ashlyn was sitting there in the living room, and she said, Dad, she said, I heard that guy is a real big jerk. And so, I, Brother Pickens, I used it as a teaching moment, and I said, how do you know that? She said, well, that's what everybody says. I said, but you've never met him. And she said, well, no. She said, I'll never get to meet him. He's an actor. She's like, duh, Dad, I'll never get to meet him. He's, he's an actor in Hollywood. I said, exactly. You'll never meet him. So therefore, why should you give an opinion up on his character? Because of what everybody else said. Aren't you glad that God loves you and values you based upon the fact that He knows you and not just what everybody thinks they know about you. So be careful. Oh, I've seen it. I've heard it in pulpits. I've heard pastors land blast other pastors and they don't know them any more than the man in the moon. But because there are certain differences and certain things that they feel have them separated from somebody else. And they'll do it to churches and they'll do it to people. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Friends, that is not the will of God. That is not what God has called us to. I know, I've got to move on. 
I feel like I'm losing you. Amen. Listen, so we take initiative and then we identify. Number three, let me, and this is my last point so somebody can shout amen. <laughs> listen to this. Listen intentionally and attentively as the other person would tell you how he or she sees the situation. But right now, in somebody's mind, you're thinking, but if I give them the chance to tell me, and if I have to sit there and listen to them, I'm just, I, they're, they're just going to believe they're right, and I think I'm wrong. And you can't stand the thought of that. So here's what has to happen. Here's what has to happen. Listen, if we're taking initiative, if we identify there's goals bigger than this problem, then that means we're going to listen intentionally and attentively as the other person explains how they see the situation. Did you know that if you give yourself, if you will lend yourself to listen to somebody, you would be surprised what you learn. You'd be surprised what you learn. But oftentimes in conflict we find there's very little listening. And when I mean listening, I mean listening Really hearing what somebody is saying. Instead of giving them a little bit of a courtesy and you hear only enough and you're formulating in your mind your next comeback. Because you're the comeback king. Because you have the gift of, of just cutting through somebody with your words. And you're not really listening to what they have to say. The truth of the matter is if you begin to listen attentively... What happens is you might come to realize that maybe the cause of what the conflict is, you're like, oh, 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 this was a complete misunderstanding. It often is. It often is. It's not, it's, it's not a situation. We think conflict is sometimes the fact that I have something against you. And we take it that way and we get defensive about it to where if we learn to listen to somebody... And just let, them, just let them talk. And let me say this. I'm, I'm already out here in deep waters. I might as well. I might as well. Brother Roderick, throw me a life preserver if I need to. If I start having trouble. Let me say this. Not only can you hear somebody's side of the story. I was, I was talking with somebody sometime back. And they were telling me what their issue was. Their issue was not with me directly. Their issue was, was with somebody else that we knew. And they had come to me in the name of, I need help with this. So I said, well, tell me what the issue is. And all I did, Brother Roderick, I did not stand there and open my Bible and start quoting scriptures and beating them up with the Bible. And, and I didn't interrupt them and say, now, now you know, you know you shouldn't do that. I just, Sister Sandy, I let them talk. And you know what happened, Sister Amy? The more they heard themselves talk about it, true statement came out of their mouth. They said, you know, I, it's just kind of silly that I'm upset about this. It's just kind of, it, it, it don't even make sense why I'm even mad about it. Did you know that sometimes when somebody is allowed to hear themselves talk something through out loud, you ain't even got to, you ain't even got to go to an exchange. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's enough. Here's another thing, is that sometimes that while you are listening it might cause that other person, they get a little bit nervous to say, how, how come you're not interrupting me? How come you're not, I'm just, I'm just listening to you. I'm just listening. And what happens is, is it causes someone to even be a little more careful in their delivery to what is going on. Because what happens is, is when you are combative and you are interrupting and you're not listening to somebody, you're not letting them plead their case, all it is is fuel on the fire for a fight of words to ensue, a clash of personalities to go forward. 
So take time to listen. Take time to listen intentively. A couple of years back, there was a gentleman who asked if they could meet with me. And uh, there was something upon their heart and and so, met with them, and as we were sitting in that meeting, I, of course, we greeted one another, said hello, and we were talking and things of that nature, and that they had asked me a question. I answered that question. I answered that one question, and for the next one hour and 45 minutes, I let that person speak. I said nothing. I said nothing. Were there points or parts where I was maybe tempted to interject or to give my side of the story, whatever the case might be? And you know what happened? I never said anything else in that conversation. I just let them speak. I let them get it off their heart. And do you know that just being willing to let somebody be heard, it brought a healing to that problem? That's all they wanted. Just wanted to be heard. I didn't, I made a choice, Sister Linda. I did not have to take it personal. I did not have to sit there. I did not have to defend. I did not have to throw, throw my weight around. I didn't have to do anything. But just listen. This is what the Word of God says. Or, or, or first, let me read this. Let me, I jotted this down. Let the other person speak while you listen. Listen to this. Listen with your heart your eyes, and your ears. Do so without becoming defensive or angry. Try to hear the hurt in the person's voice and empathize. Don't interrupt. Let the person complete his or her story. Let them finish what they have to say. Let them speak. That's not an injustice to you. When you feel the need and the, and the compulsion to interject yourself because you're afraid you're going to miss a point to prove that you were right, what you, 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 will, you will kill a conversation very quickly. Listen to what the Word of God says. Proverbs 18 and 13. He that answereth a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. Let me say that again. He that answers a matter before he hears it. You've got an opinion. You've got your answer. You made your mind up of what you're going to say. And you never heard what the other party was going to say. It will cause you to look foolish. It will cause you a lot of pain and heartache if you try to do so. The Bible says it is folly and shame if that's how you approach it. Proverbs 29 and 20. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There's more hope of a fool than of him. Now these are some pretty strong words. Are you quick to rattle off your opinion? Are you quick to tell, tell, tell everybody how the cow eats the cabbage? Are you quick to lay down the law? Are you just, you're quick to, I mean, there's some folks that with their tongue and with their mouth, I mean, they're just always shooting from the hip. Always. And you do that, there will be casualties involved. You do that, you create for yourself more pain and problem than is necessary. <laughs> Ooh, Sister Carolyn, you better pray tonight. You better pray tonight. We might come in Wednesday and a petition's been signed. <laughs> I love you. It was nice knowing you. Amen. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Proverbs 15 and 1. Brother Danny, you better come on. Proverbs 15 and 1. Listen to this. A soft answer turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Can I close with this? If you will be intentional and attentive in listening... Intentional in what you're going to say. Intentional in how you're going to go in 
to that particular situation. Let me share this little story, because I get to tell a story about my mother-in-law. And any time I can tell a story on my mother-in-law, I love it. But I remember she told this story, Brother Roderick. Before they were pastoring, they were, they, their first church they pastored was in Oakdale, Louisiana. First Assembly of God in Oakdale. And uh, before then, they had been attending Faith Assembly. Pastor Goodwin was there at the church at that time. And, and uh, on a particular Sunday... Pastor Goodwin had asked my father-in-law if he would preach that evening service. And so my father-in-law never said anything to the family, never made an announcement. You know, he didn't say, hey, I need everybody quiet this afternoon. I'm getting prepared to preach tonight. He never did it, never said anything. And my mother-in-law, Sister Janie, by her own admission, she said, I'll, I'll never forget that night. And Carolyn can tell you I'm telling the truth. She said, I'll never forget that night. She said, I was in a mood, and she said, I was in a mood to pick a fight. Now, I know none of you sanctified, godly folks have ever been there. And she said, so that afternoon, I was, and she said, even on the way to church, I was, and she said, that man said nothing. And as a result, she said, the less he said, she said, the matter I got. She said, I was so upset. She said, I went into that church. She said, I was not going to get anything out of that service. She said, I was so mad at Jerry Smith. She said, I plopped down on that pew. She said, I'd been huffing and puffing. I was all upset. She said, you know, I kind of would raise my hand every now and again. I'd kind of sing the song. She said, but I was fuming inside. She said, until Pastor Goodwin said, Brother Jerry Smith, won't you come on up? Brother Smith's going to preach for us tonight. She said, oh, Lord. She said, I could have crawled underneath every pew and made my way out the door. She said, I was so embarrassed. She said, I felt so bad. When we're hasty, when we're, when, we're, when, when we're not careful. And I'm saying this tonight because there are some things that maybe, and we've been preaching this since Wednesday night, maybe there are some things where there is some conflict. It's going to be there. It's not wrong or unspiritual that there's conflict in a certain place. But again, what you do with it and how you handle it I promise you is going to determine the outcome of it. Consider the relationship with that person. Take initiative. Identify there's bigger goals. There's, there's more in common that you have than what's got you in conflict. And listen carefully. Don't be hasty with your words. Don't be hasty with your opinion. Well, I've got an opinion, Brother Jake, and I think it's right. That's, that's good and well, but sometimes, can I tell you, silence is golden. It is. Sometimes silence is golden. Just, just listen. And you might be surprised what you learn about somebody. And also, they might be surprised when they hear themselves talk about it out loud, what's coming out and why they was even upset. You'd be surprised. As to what God can do when we will exercise godly wisdom even in conflict. I gave you a list of people in Scripture where there was conflict. Conflict, 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 conflict. Because we're not perfect. We're human. We've got differences of opinion. We've got different thoughts, ideas, opinions. And that's, that's how God made us. But He also taught us of what happens through the power of the spirit of unity. And he says, endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. It binds us together. Can we stand all over this house? Brother Jake, this ain't a typical Sunday night message. That's okay. That's okay. If it's all right with you, I just, I'd always prefer just to obey the Lord. I'd just rather obey Him always.
If I can just speak candidly as your pastor today. It's been a different day. It's been a different day. Some folks, I see it on, in your eyes, on your face. For some, it's physically you're wore out. For some, there's lots that's going on. Others, you're overcoming certain things, whatever the case might be. And you know what happens when we're, when we're all a little bit off kelter like that? Oh, the enemy, he loves to try to find a place. Because you know what he would love to happen is for somebody to go on home tonight and say, well, you know what, all day long, Sister Faye, she just... She hasn't been herself, and I, I don't know. Maybe, it's, maybe she's got something against me. Maybe there's a, you know what I'm saying? It can happen. Don't let, don't let the things maybe that of this day, heaviness, situations have been battling, don't let it set a precedence in your mind or in your heart. And throw you, throw you off course. Let's endeavor. As a matter of fact, Brother Eddie, the best thing we can do in moments like that is press in even a little harder. Be more determined. Focus in on what we need to do. Focus in on what we need to do. Here's what I'd like for us to do tonight if we can. I'm going to ask everybody that will, just, I want you to come up here up front with me. Come on, step on up here. <clears throat> you ain't got to be embarrassed. You ain't got to be bashful. Just step on up here. Can I say this tonight from the bottom of my heart? And I mean this. I absolutely love and adore this group of people. Now, for some that are out of town or sick and they're watching from home, I love you too. Somebody, somebody tonight going to get offended. Well, he said that group. Let me clarify it like this. I love the family of Victory Temple. I love you. I really do. And friends, I just want to remind you, listen, you'd have to be a blind man to not look around and see what God's been doing, the way He's been moving. And here's the deal. Can I just tell you something? Every service is not going to be riding a high. It's not. So can I say this? Don't be nervous if that doesn't happen every service. To be honest with you, there's got to be some balance. It can't happen every service. I know there's some pastors and churches, they'd want to argue with me. Oh, well, bless God, you ain't got faith and you ain't got to move with God if you ain't shouting every service. Sorry, it's just not true. Because I've seen a bunch of people that can shout together and then go and live like the devil on Monday. They'll, sh they'll shout in the same church and then go talk about each other at Dairy Queen. When... And Brother Chad, I... That ain't how we're going to be. We're better than that. We're, we're, we're bigger than that. We're a family. And so this is what my encouragement is tonight. Endeavor. Endeavor. Sometimes in the endeavoring, it's you making up your mind. Look, today I've been off. Today, today has just been one of them days. Yesterday, for Ashlyn's birthday party, we played, we played a little bit of volleyball. And guess what? Brother Christian Blewett had an off day. I whipped him so bad. Brother Chris, don't let that off day. Throw a wrench in it. Don't let these situations put you in a place to where you're looking at others that maybe they're having an off day too, Sister Sanja. Give each other some grace. Give each other a space of grace and mercy. Say, you know what? It's just, I don't know, just one of them days. But you know what, Brother Jake? I'm not going to go to bed all upset, been out of shape. I'm going to pray. 
And so your pastor tonight, before you leave this house, is going to do the best thing that I can tell you to do. And that is, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. And so I want you to, I want you to link up with somebody right there by you. Go ahead. No, I don't want one hand not held. I don't want, come on over here, Brother Hector. Join up with these folks right there. I don't want one person left undone. Amen. Let me tell you something right now. Hear me. That adversary, he's looking for a way in. He's looking for a way in. Listen. Listen to Pastor. I'm telling you. He's looking for a way in. He wants there to be conflict that's handled in an ungodly, unwise way. And if we, Sister Shelby, would make up our mind and say, I'm just not going to stand for it. I'm just not going to stand for it. And if we as the body will say, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do my part to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. That's what I'm going to do. Because can I tell you the best thing you can do personally to have a move of God in your life and within this church is exactly what Paul said. Endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. The bond of peace. Can we right now, right now, won't you pray? Pray for the ones that are beside you. Pray for them. Pray for that one. Call their name out. Right now, call their name out before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm asking you to bless my brother, my sister. Lord, I'm asking you right now, in their struggles, in their pain, in their hurts, Lord, would you help them? Lord, would you challenge tonight by your spirit? Lord, help us that we endeavor. Help us that we endeavor to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. He's a robo koyala basatai. Yarobo ko 